wonderful reminder of why we are here. Not just here uh, in this class, not just here today at church, but why we're here on this planet. We're here to bow down and worship the King. I love that. I bow down at your feet. I bow down at your feet. I bow down to worship you, Jesus, my Savior and King. I hope that is your uh, heart cry here. Still in January, so I still feel like we're uh, trying to get going for the new year. And uh, so I hope you are have started the new year with a new plan of growth and a new plan of how you're going to draw closer to Christ in your own personal life, but also draw others closer to Christ for this year. And so to help you do that, we're looking at the 90-day challenge. If you take a look at your notes, this will be our last lesson to really kind of get us going. Although, if you look on the back of your course sheets, you see that uh, we, we have the I Heart series coming up. And so, uh, January 30th, next uh, Sunday, I'll be doing a lesson, I Heart the Bible. I love the Bible. And so, that'll move us and get us ready for the 90-day challenge on February that begins February 1st. And then on February 6th, uh, Pat Dunn is going to help us learn how to I heart our God. I love our God. And then on February 13th, hint, hint, men, February 14th is coming. Plan, get ready. And uh, uh, Kirk Polo will help us to uh, I heart my spouse. Right, Kirk? Or, I mean, or should I say, right, Dana? I'm, I'm sure Dana will be writing that lesson. Kirk will be delivering it. Dana will write it. And uh, <laughs> what'd you say? Yeah, and that it's a, it's an awesome idea. Uh, yeah, in fact, it would be a great uh, a great thing then next week to let you write the lesson, Kirk, and then Dana deliver that. And so, uh, actually, that's kind of the key, the whole key to the relational secret. If you haven't figured that out, uh, listen to your spouse and do what they say. They listen to you and do what you say, and everything works out well. At least that's what Gwen tells me. Uh, then on February 20th, which is uh, uh, Gwen and I's uh, anniversary celebration, I'll be sharing uh, out of my life and out of uh, my own story on I Heart Our Church and uh, what this church has meant to me over the 20 years that I've served here and even before that when I was here and uh, was led to Christ, established in the love and the fellowship of this church. And then on February 27th, please don't avoid that day, even though it says I Heart History, you know, as I wrote it, Jerry, this will be Jerry's lesson. This is Jerry's offering. I, uh, you know, I was like, you know, I mean, I'd be all over that. Me and Zach Werner. <laughs> Todd, Todd, you'd be here for that. You know, I heart history. There's a few of you, but, but really, it's exciting. Uh, I promise you. Exciting, isn't it, Jerry? Now, he's got a great idea for this, and so uh, you'll find that why, if you, you may not love history, but you'll love it after Jerry's done with it. And so I hope you're coming with that, and exciting to see we have a lot of good men that are able, uh, fully able and equipped to teach the Scriptures, and so I'm excited to, to learn from them with you. Well, let's look at the 90-day challenge, Reading for a Change. We said last week, who needs another challenge? And we said there's three of us. Uh, at least. Uh, those who are growing need another challenge to avoid coasting. Those who are coasting need another challenge to avoid drifting. And those who are drifting need another challenge to start growing. I think that probably covers all of us. And so last week I presented the challenge, and here it is. The 90-day challenge is to read attentively 
every word of the Bible in 90 days for a change. Now, how should we respond to those who take the 90-day challenge? What did we learn last week? We should respond with spiritual support, spiritual support or spiritual encouragement. In other words, if we know of someone, if you're sitting at a table, in fact, how many of you, I know there's at least 18 of you that have already taken the challenge. How how many have, have taken the challenge? You raise your hand. Okay, at nearly every single table, there's someone. And so you ought to look at those people and say, hey, that's awesome. I'll be praying for you. That's encouragement. And I would really challenge you that are going to take this challenge that you find one or two people praying for to pray for you. And, uh, you know, why wouldn't we? I mean, uh, why wouldn't we look at someone and say, wow, you're going to do that in 90 days? That's awesome. I'm going to support you in prayer. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to encourage you. And what do you think would happen in this class if for the next 90 days, we were like praying for each other to draw closer to God in our time in his word? You know, whether we take the 90 day challenge or not, and, and again, if you'll take a look at the commitment card, in fact, I got a couple on the table there if you need it. Really, we all should be filling this out because there's really no one that should be excluded on this. There's more on the back table. Yes, I will take the 90-day challenge to read the Bible in 90 days. You could take that. Secondly, I'll take the 90-day challenge to read the Bible according to a Bible reading plan of my own choosing. In other words, maybe you haven't been in the Word of God, but you're going to get into the Word of God for the next 90 days. Uh, A year might be overwhelming, but for 90 days, you're going to have a reading plan, whatever that plan is, because you'll never read without a plan. Now, the plan can be, I'm going to read one chapter, and then I have a bookmark, and then the next day, I I pick up at that chapter, I read another chapter. I mean, this isn't rocket science, you know, but it is discipline and it's plan. The third option is, yes, I'll take the 365-day challenge to read through the Bible in a whole year. In other words, I, I'm not going to read through it in 90 days, but I will read through it in the entire year. And then finally, yes, I'll take the 365-day challenge to read according to some plan. In other words, my goal is not going to read through the whole Bible in a year, but for the rest of the year, I'm going to read the Bible. So I'm going to read the Bible for the next 90 days. I'm going to read the Bible for the next 365 days, or I'm going to take the 90-day challenge, whatever. We ought to all be filling that out, and it's good to fill that out. You'll get on an, those on the 90-day challenge. I'll put you on a 90-day challenge email list. You'll get an email blast, encouragement throughout the process. I already sent one out to the first 18 people, and so you can be a part of that. Now, what's going to be your response to the 90-day challenge? I would challenge you with this. Step up and be stretched. Step up and be stretched. Uh, we just need to grow. In fact, I talked to one of you uh, this morning, and, and that's what she said. She said, you know, I said, you know, she said, man, the 90-day challenge. In fact, it was Kathy, wasn't it, Kathy? I said, Kathy, uh, you know, you've done this twice. And, and, in fact, I saw from my notes that she was one who had a testimony about not finishing it in 90 days. So I was asking her about that. And you said that you'd finished it. It was a trial, wasn't it? She said, it was, you don't want me to give a testimony. It was hard. That was hard. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, after the 10th hour, you were like, what was? What did I read in that first hour? Yeah. yeah. yeah you need to lobby Zondervan for the French version because uh, Carmen and those guys have the Spanish version and are very happy with that. Yeah, I, I don't think they have that yet. But uh, but here's the thing. I said, so, so, 
you know, she said, oh, I, I'd tell people not to do that. And I said, well, we can't have that. Don't, don't be doing that. And uh, I said, but let me ask you this. You're betraying, you're revealing something about yourself because you did it twice. So, I mean, well, well, you must be a glutton for punishment. And, well, here's what she said. Well, I like being stretched. I need to be stretched. I need to be challenged. And, and that's the core idea here. We need to be challenged in our spiritual lives. Now, what are the tools? Uh, the first is the 90-day challenge NIV Bible. We talked about that last week. Those that are there are ones that have already been paid for and ordered. So if you uh, signed up, paid for yours, and ordered it last week, pick it up. And I know some of you already have. And then if you still need to, uh, if you want to order one today, then sign up for that. And we'll order more, and they'll be in by next Sunday, and you'll have it before February 1st. The 90-day challenge reading guide, which is this. And uh, you can just, those are free. Anybody can pick those up. So those are there to help you through. And then the 90-day challenge accountability group, that sign-up is is there as well. And uh, I just can't do this without help because Kathy's right. It is a challenge. It is hard. And uh, I attempted it the first time by myself and didn't do, didn't finish it. And uh, and every time I've done it since then, I have. And it's been a real blessing. And, and God intends for us to grow in community anyway. That's why we have iLife groups. And that's why we ought to do almost everything. I mean, the Christian life is meant be done in community. In fact, I was writing a paper here recently, and I made that observation in my head that, you know, that almost the whole New Testament is in uh, the second person, person plural, you, which uh, this is where the old King James comes in handy. It would be ye. And whenever you see ye, that's a plural you. Well, in English, it's hard because you is singular and plural, and you don't know which. Well, let me tell you right now that almost all the yous that you see in the New Testament, those are plural. They're plural. We read them from an individual American isolationist standpoint and think God's just speaking to me, but he's speaking to us, speaking to we. In fact, I, I got the biggest kick out of Keith Gandy was here one time uh, using the, the old King James, for which I, I do not know why and have since ribbed him for that. Uh, being the postmodern dude that he is, he whipped that out. And then he was trying to explain to us, ye means we. And uh, he, do you, how many of you remember that? Oh, my gosh, I just lost it. That was just the funny. He started exegeting. Anyway, it was it was funny. Ye means. So anytime I see that, I, I think ye means. <laughs> All right. So 90-day commitment card. Fill that out. And. Uh, and so anyway, the, the accountability group, I know Bill and I will be meeting. And so any of you men that want to meet with us, let us know, sign up for that. Now, this week, here's what I want to do. We presented the challenge. This week, I want to promote the change. I want to promote the change because this isn't about just reading the Bible in 90 days to say that you've done it. This isn't about just reading the Bible. This is about reading the Bible for change. What is the goal of taking the 90-day challenge? You can sum it up in one word, change. Change. The goal is to change and know God. In fact, that's why uh, uh, one lady told me, you know, I don't think I'm going to do it this year, the 90-day Bible. I already have my reading plan going. I'm into it. It's working. That's wonderful. You know, that's the goal. The goal is to be reading God's word for a change. The Bible is what makes you wise to salvation. The Bible is what makes you born again. The Bible is what sanctifies and cleanses you. The Bible is what grows you up to maturity and prepares you for your final glorification in the presence of Jesus. The Bible is what equips you for serving God 
Let me give you three things, three things. I knew I should have done it when I thought about it. I thought about it up and I didn't go and do it. Three changes, three changes that you can expect. Number one, the 90-day challenge will change the way the the Bible. And that is so important. Uh, we have such a distorted view of that book of which you probably have multiple copies at home. In fact, I, was, I, I saw a church uh, just this week that had an announcement if you have any extra old Bibles or extra Bibles at home, please donate them so that we can give them to the City Union Mission. And I thought, only in this country, only in this country, we have spare Bibles like we have spare Yet how much are we reading God's Word? Okay, you're, you're, you're going to get changed. You're going to learn, first of all, uh, these are just some comments. It's one book with many chapters. The biggest advantage of reading this in 90 days is that you will see this is one book with many chapters. Instead of this isolated uh, book where you really are only familiar with a couple, three or four books or whatever the pastor is uh, preaching on, you'll find that this is one book with many chapters. You're going to see that this is a book with, in 90 days, you will appreciate more the different literary genres of the Bible. In other words, not every book is written the same way. One of the things you're going to find is in the book of Psalms. Okay, there's 150 Psalms, and you're going to have to read them in what? Let's see, let's see. What? How quickly do you read those? Let me see if I got my, here it is. What are the Psalms? Psalms, uh, in two days. Okay, in two days, you're going to get 150 Psalms, all right? Now, that is almost obscene. That is almost, you know, against the law, because it's it's a genre of the Bible. It's a type of writing that's meant to be meditative. In fact. Even in one psalm, you'll get the word selah or selah that, that, that means to the best of the scholar's understanding, pause and reflect, stop. So, I mean, you're not even supposed to read one psalm in one sitting, much less 150 in two days. And so it will, it, it will not be fun. That will not be enjoyable. But if all that you learn is this, oh, hey, this is a different form of literary uh, type and, and, and when I come back to this, maybe after the 90 days, I could take one psalm a week for the next 150 days and meditate and, and stoke in that. On the other hand, you know, you might be thinking, well, why are we reading the Bible in 90 days if that's so, you know, wrong for the psalms? Well, it is right for most of the other books. Most of the other books of the Bible were written with the intent to be read in one sitting. Their letters, the New Testament epistles means letters. They were letters to the church in which the person would get up in the church because no one had their multiple Bibles lying dormant in their homes. And the person would get up who was literate when most were illiterate, many were illiterate, and would then read the epistle to the Corinthians in one setting. You know, and so... Reading the Bible in 90 days is, is, is very uh, in tune with most of these books. In fact, many of these books were meant to be read multiple books as one unit. For instance, as you read through the Bible in 90 days in the Old Testament, you'll see that Genesis through Kings is one literary unit. It's one complete uh, saga story of the, of the people of Israel. And when you read it quickly, let's see how quickly that is from Genesis to Kings is four weeks. So you read that in four weeks, uh, seven days a week for four weeks from Genesis to Kings, 
you will see, wow, this is all connected, and you'll get excited about that. You'll see the big picture of the Bible unfold in an amazing way. Because you see, you can go from Genesis to Revelation in one big story, and and here it is. In the beginning, God created. It begins with creation. And everything was good until you come to chapter 3, in which man and woman disbelieve God, doubt God, question God, exalt themselves in the place of God, and disobey God's word. That's why you need to know it, so that you can not disobey it, but so you won't disobey it, but instead obey it. The fall. The rest of the Bible is about God in his sovereign grace reaching down and saving some by his mercy through his son, Jesus Christ, That takes you all the way through the Old Testament to the Gospels when Jesus comes, and then he finishes his work on the cross. He rises from the dead. He ascends to heaven. He sits at the right hand as Lord and Christ, and then he grants and gives salvation as a free gift to all who will repent and come and place their faith in him. The ending of the Bible is Revelation, the new creation. So there's your story, creation, fall, redemption, and new creation. And you'll read that in 90 days and say, wow, this is a four-part story of which I play a part as well. Now look in your notes. Here's a couple other things you'll see. First, you'll begin to grasp just how much of the Bible is the Old Testament, basically three-fourths of it. You'll get appreciation for that because after all, out of these 13 weeks, you're going to spend 10 of those weeks in the Old Testament. So out of 13 weeks of reading, 10 are going to be in the Old Testament. That part, which most of us are the most unfamiliar with, we spend the less time with, it's mysterious. So you're going to come out with a better understanding of three-fourths of the Bible. Uh, Number two, you'll begin to see how many times the Old Testament is quoted in the New Testament. Again, having just read the Old Testament, you'll see the Old Testament in the New in ways that you haven't haven't before. Every person I've talked to that did this for the second time finished in 90 days and said it was easier the second time around. So even though you may, and, and, and Kathy is even a testimony of that in her urging testimony she gave, uh, of that the first time it took her more than 90 days and the second time she made it in 90 days and this time she's going to do it maybe in 75 days. I don't know. We'll see. Won't we, Kathy? There you go. I like that. The key is, now look at this last one. This is really important. The key is not so much how little time it takes to get through the Bible. The point is not the speed in which you're going through the Bible. You know, the point is not, ha ha, I read the Bible in 90 days and I'll read the Bible in 80 days and I'll read the Bible in, you know, that's not the goal. It's not the speed it takes to get through the Bible. It's how big of chunks you are reading at one time. So here's the number one thing that you're going to experience. Read in big chunks to see the big picture. Simply can't see the big picture of the Bible. In fact, I think it's very hard to see it in reading the Bible in one year. I've done that many times in my life, and you simply don't see the big picture like you do when you do it in 90 days. Notice what it says. Uh, We did an online survey uh, in 2009, I believe, uh, after we finished this, and here's some of the things that are said. I was amazed to see the ups and downs of the Israelites and yet see how God would provide to offer a way back. Though justice was administered, God remains merciful. Plus, reading the Gospels in the large chunks brought the sacrifice of Christ to a humbling, life-changing experience. 
Plus, reading Revelation brings to light where God is taking all of us. I really enjoyed the 90-day reading, and I'm confident that in a second reading within in 90 days, I will gain even more understanding and truth into our Heavenly Father. What a great testimony. That's, that's from you guys. That's from you all. Now, here's some things that you will benefit from reading uh, the Bible in big chunks like this. Many of you will read the entire Bible for the first time. Can we say, woohoo, how exciting is that? Can you, listen, I say this all the time. I've said, I've said this for 20 years. Can you imagine coming to the presence of Jesus having not read his, I mean, stand before the living word having not read written? Can you imagine meeting William Tyndale, John Huss, Martin Luther, men who were persecuted, even gave their lives so the word of God could be in the common man's language, even in English, and meet those men in heaven, having not read the word. I, I, I can't imagine. I mean, there's, there's a lot that's going to be humbling and that I will, uh, I will fail at standing before my Lord. But there's one thing that I don't want, and that is to not know the book. And so some of you will read the entire Bible for the first time. That will be so exciting. Number two, many of you will read parts of the Bible that you never have. That's exciting. I mean, and probably the greatest testimony from different people in this 90 days is that they found the spiritual value of parts of the Bible that they would never have dreamt of, okay? They found value in aspects of the Bible that they never would have dreamt of. Thirdly, many of you will read more of the Bible at one concentrated time than you ever have. For some of you, you have never in your entire life read the Bible for more than maybe 10 minutes. Maybe more than the scripture reading upstairs. Maybe that's the longest time you have ever had a Bible open. And you will read more in more concentrated time. Here's what uh, Jeff uh, Brown had to say. This is the most amount of scripture I have ever read in 10 days. It sure is great to see our provider, God's presence, purpose, and power with his people. Just wanted to uh, wish you and your family, number 624 through 27, the Lord bless you and keep you. God and his word are good all the time. Here's what's interesting. As people were commenting, emailing back, giving comments about their reading, they were then using scripture like Jeff did. Because why? They were getting saturated with it. I mean, it was impacting them. And folks, that's the key. When you're filled with God's word out of the abundance, the heart speaks. What's happening in our lives is we're Facebooking and tweeting about stuff that doesn't mean a hill of beans for eternity because that's what we're full of. Trivia and tweets. Instead of being filled with the eternal word of God, not to be pious and preachy, Uh, we're full of others. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I understand. Todd, you just shouldn't do that to me when I'm <laughs> teaching the Word of God. Uh, okay. And you see, a problem is you can teach and think about other things at the same time, and that's a that's a, a, a occupational hazard. Here, listen to me. Listen to me. The reason we don't do we we just don't the Word of God's not coming out of our mouth because it's not going in. And, and, and that is, as I read through, you know, because to get ready for this, I read through 
surveys, it, it was interesting how many times then the Word of God would come out of that. And, and, and here's what they were doing. They were relating the Word of God to their personal experiences. That's the whole point. That's what 90 days can do for you. Uh, many of you will read your Bibles on a daily basis for the first time in your Many of you will read your Bibles on a daily basis for the first time in your life, and that will bring you to the second uh, observation. We we all who have done this have learned that we have no we have no excuses for setting aside time to be in God's Word. If you can do this for ninety days, then you can get alone with God on a daily basis, but read much less. Spend more time praying and connecting with the Lord. See, if you'll take this time at the beginning of 2011 and and for 90 days give God an hour of your time for 90 straight days, you'll realize, well, why can't I give him a half hour of my time five days of the week, spend, you know, read less of the scripture, spend more time in prayer, more time connecting with him, and just make this, why can't this be my life? Why can't this be? You'll have no excuses. God will show you that through Him. Second change will not only be how you see the Bible, but this is the purpose of the Bible. The 90-day challenge will change the way you see God. The 90-day challenge will change the way you see God. You will see His holiness in new ways. I'm telling you, the number one thing that you will gain in the first Three weeks of spending time in the Old Testament is you will walk away and say, God is holy. And you will come away saying, I am big trouble without his grace, without his mercy, and without his son for my sin. Uh, again and again, people will identify ought to guard God's people with the Israelites. You will, you, will, you will live with them. You will walk with them through the Sinai. You will experience the redemption and the exodus from Egypt. You'll, you'll hear the murmuring and the grumbling against God and God's man. And you will see the judgment of God fall, and you will see that His mercy is abundant for those who repent. Turn from their sin and acknowledge you are holy. I am not. Cleanse me. Forgive me. Restore me. You'll see his grace and mercy in new ways. And I think the biggest beauty of this is you'll see that what we've talked about in this previous series of inclusivism and exclusivism, that we serve a God who's holy and merciful at the same time. And we want either a God of wrath, not for us, of course, but for who? Our enemies. And then we want a God of just love for who? Well, for me, because my sins aren't like those people's sins. Those sins deserve wrath. My sins are in a unique category because they're mine. And I'm justified and rationalized and, and all of these things in who I am. But what you find in reading the Bible in, in big chunks like this is you will see that this God is both holy and merciful at the same time. And that is a fearful thing. Because, see, that's a God that is wild and out of our control. That is a God that you cannot tame. That, a, that is a God, in the words of C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia, who is not safe, but who is good, and who is worthy to entrust your life to, who will cleanse you with a burning fire, 
but will heal you with a equally burning compassion. Isn't that wonderful? It's, a, it's the God you were created for. It's the God you long for. It's the God, though, you cannot approach in your own goodness and in your own confidence. So here's what you're going to find. Oh, and then one other thing. You'll see that the God of the Old Testament is the same as the God of the New. Here's what happens. Uh, the world and our own rational thinking says, Old Testament, boring, bad. God is wrath. New Testament, exciting, good. Jesus, good. And then though the, fa- you know, the Father's mad at me, but Jesus, he, he, he stands between me and the angry God. Now, that's just pure paganism, foolishness. It's not the God of the Bible, because you will find in reading the Old Testament in this way that this God of wrath is unbelievably merciful. At a point in the nation of Israel, when every one of us, if we were God, we would have destroyed Israel in a heart and Moses with them. God spared them all. Well, I shouldn't say spared them. He didn't spare them all. Ones who are unrepentant, used to have faith in him, are, are judged. The earth opens up and swallows them. But here's what you're going to find then in the New Testament, that Jesus, this Jesus of love, is a, is a God of love who speaks about hell more often than anyone else in the Bible. So there's just not this dichotomy, this, this division, this separation between a God of, 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 of wrath in the Old Testament and a God of love. He's one in the same. And so... Look in your notes, you'll see reading in bigger chunks, you'll see a bigger God. I am thoroughly convinced that one of the number one ways for you to have a bigger view of God, read the Bible in bigger chunks, how he works over time. Here's some things that I think you have in your notes. I have a greater awareness of God's sovereignty, a greater knowledge of him and myself as his creation. Holiness is required of his own. This this looks like something I would have put in. Uh, He's got all points here. Holiness required of us. He is mighty patient. Sadness of Israel as a nation. These are these are just these are what people are seeing about God. One put it in this way: trust and obey, because there is not or no other way. God has shown me that He has great plans for me if I will walk closer with Him every day. I don't want to have to wait until heaven to experience the joy of God's presence. Another said. Once again, it's God's plan for humanity and his glory. I see all the attributes of God, just, holy, gracious, merciful, righteous. Another one commented, God is sovereign, just, loving, merciful, and gracious. Relation is creation. Here's what uh, Randy uh, said. I'm, I am feeling excited that I have made it the first week and celebrating as well. See, sometimes you, just, you get, get thankful day at a time, right, Randy? Uh, uh, thanks for the insights. I welcome the thoughts. I found the Aaron story about the calf inter- interesting as well. Also, through all this reading so far, I have gained a greater knowledge as to the personality of God, things he likes, dislikes, how we can please him. It's all there. We just need great insight. Um, I like Shelley made this comment. I think what I am learning most so far is just the greatness of God and how awesome and holy he really is and how forgiving he is when we turn to him and away from our sin. I am making a more conscious effort to begin my prayers with praise and sometimes not asking for anything, just offering praise. 
I am enjoying reading the book of Psalms more than some of the other books, but all have been good. There's someone, Kelly, you just enjoyed Psalms. All right, way to go. Um, all right, there's more I can share, but here's number three. You will, it will change how you see not only the Bible, not only the God of the Bible, but the 90-day challenge will change the way, way. And that's the progression of all of our Bible reading. We, we should see the Bible as God's book. We should see God in his book. And then we should see how God and who he really is. We should see ourselves in a fresh new way and then make adjustments and alignment to become the people that God wants us to be. Notice what it says. It's been amazing reading during these, uh, these 14 days. I never thought that I could apply in my life the Old Testament because to me it was the past. But by reading how every time the people of Israel were disobedient, God will punish them. But on the other hand, how he will guide, protect, provide, and show them the way to go every time they were disobedient. I have applied this to my life by being obedient and doing things I know are pleasing to my God. It's so hard, but it is possible. If only I think of the consequences, actions, and thoughts. My God is amazing. His ways are perfect. There's someone who's got perception for who they are. Isn't that wonderful? See, what the, the common theme through so much of this is I'm figuring out what pleases him and what doesn't please him, and it motivates me to do that which does please him and to stop doing that. This is, this is what grace is. See, too often we think, oh, reading my Bible is a burden, a duty, an obligation, a checklist item. And you think we stand up here and go over and over and over this simply as another you know, burden to place on you. When in fact, it's in reading the Bible that God gives us the desire to be and do the things that he wants. It's grace. This is grace. Grace is not... Forgiveness to keep sinning. Let me say that again. Grace is not forgiveness in order to continue sinning. Grace is forgiveness that will restore you into a mindset and a heart for obeying. It's the power and desire to do God's will. And that's what this book is. It's grace to you. Desire to please him. I think that's just an amazing thing. I can do this on a daily basis. I need to do this on a daily basis. I want to to do this. That's the process, okay? I'm here to challenge you. You can do this. And you can do it when you have people supporting you, praying for you, meeting with you. You can do this. I hope by the end of this, we'll say, I need to do this. But as you do it, God will give you the desire, I want to do this. And I enjoy this. This will eliminate any excuse you may have for not reading the Bible on a regular basis. Now, some of you may not want to do it for that reason because you like excuses. We like excuses. We like to hide behind our excuses. We like our excuses because they enable us to stay in the comfort zone of But there's a life better the other side. There is blessings ever find of your sin. Come to Jesus. 
I'm yours. Everything I've got, everything I'm not, Lord, try me now and see if I can be completely yours. That's what it's all about. Let's look at this. Read in bigger chunks to see a better you. Read in bigger chunks to see a better you. Here's another uh, online comment or email comment. I don't know if it's. Uh, Just wanted to say thank you again for giving us this opportunity. This is one of those times when the Lord has asked me to do something that sounded crazy to my lazy sluggard ears, but he makes it possible in his strength. I'm a couple days behind, but I'm not discouraged at all. Instead, just comforted that the Lord is able to accomplish whatever he wills in my life. I see it in the lives of the prophets. They were just obedient men, watchmen, mouthpieces for him. So why not me? If he can make me go from reading his word in nine years, taking nine years, to doing it in just 90 days, what is there that he can't do? What will he do in the lives of my family and coworkers? Anything he wants, his will be done. I say that. I think, here's another one. I think that I am learning the most so far uh, is just how holy God really is and how sinful we really are in his sight. I started a new job last Monday and decided to do a portion of my reading at lunch. The first day, my new boss asked me what I was reading, and she even asked to borrow it when I am done. Just pray that I will have boldness to be a witness at the workplace. Now, don't just take my word for it. Listen to the changes those who took the challenge last year. Now, here's some things that we've done in the past we can talk about. So if you want to pipe up, that can re- uh, identify with these. Changes in those who don't consider themselves readers. Listen, I am just so convinced that one of Satan's biggest plans is to keep people illiterate, not reading. Because, you know, I'm telling you, it's a struggle right now because uh, there, there's kind of a movement within Christianity. In fact, our own missionary, Sam Chang, part of the Orality Network. And there's, there's hundreds, thousands, thousands of thousands of people in the world who cannot read. And so rather than waiting to teach them to read and rather than waiting to translate the Bible in, because many of these people are also in country, you know, the areas that do not have the Bible, the Orality Network says, well, let's tell, tell them stories because after all, the Bible originally, originally was communicated orally uh, for, for many years. And, and, and as I just said, even in the New Testament times, not everyone was literate. And, and, and so one person would read. And that's why, you know, Paul says to Timothy, give attention to the, to the reading of the scriptures. Again, as Americans, we go, oh, that means get him alone in my room or Timothy, get in his study and, and us pastors study the Bible on a regular. No, what he's saying is get out there and read it to the people because they're not going to hear it and know it unless you read it publicly to them. So here's what I'm saying. The Orality Network, what they do is say, well, we're going to tell the Bible in stories. It's a story. We're going to tell it in stories. We're not going to wait. Now, that's great. But as far as I know, we're all literate, okay? And at a minimum, and listen, I'm not making light. You know, I, I, I love to read uh, higher education. I, I, that's all great for me, but I do not project that on you. All right? God does not expect everyone to be a scholar or a 
12th that's listen we can all be at a third grade league we can all be at a seventh there's no there's no shame in that i mean improve yourself improve yourself get help but here's the bottom line i think we can all read almost all these bibles are at a seventh or actually oh definitely the niv is at a seventh grade read But some of us aren't great readers. Uh, Gwen is not a reader like I am. We, we, we don't read him. But occasionally we have. Yeah. It's just like, what? Are, are you okay? Are you in a trance over there? When are you going to turn that page? You're, you know, I mean, out of the... So we don't do that, okay? So that's that's the kind of reader Gwen is. I'm a different kind of reader. Now, there's better readers than me. I'm not saying I'm the, you know, there's read I mean, I can read a lot and I can read uh, fairly quickly, not real quickly. I don't retain a lot. Now, my brother, my friend here Tim is a retainer. He remembers my messages that I have long since forgotten. And and then he preaches them instead of doing his own work. But that's okay. That's okay. I do what? Yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, it is. It is. So we're all, my point is we're all different readers, but you don't, everything get better with practice, right? So, you know, Gwen can say that, Bill, Bill, Bill used to kind of hide behind that extension. I'm not a reader. I remember pushing you, discipling him. I'm not, I don't hear Bill say that anymore. Bill doesn't say that anymore, do you? I don't think you do. And part of that, I'm sure there's other things. But part of that was doing this. Bill, what do you think? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's something about getting up at six in the meeting at six at Panera in the morning with six guys around a table and and know what you're there for, and when you haven't done it, it's not good. It's not good for me. I mean, I'm the same way. I'm like, I'm leading this thing. I better read it, you know, because I can lead it without reading it. I can do that. But when you're sitting across from harder to be or women, you're sitting eyeball to eyeball with other people. It's far harder phony. Okay. So, uh, Gwen, you have any comments? Or are you going to save them for me when I get home? (laughs) But I think didn't you didn't you both say that you improved? That that even in the ninety days you got better at it. And I and I found and and I think we read it earlier. The second time around, it just goes. So if if this is your first time and you're struggling, just push through it. Give Kathy a call; she'll help you out. Oh, hey, Kathy, I'm sorry. Give Kathy a call if you're struggling, and then keep at it. Okay, changes in those who participate in the accountability group. Oh, Bill's already commented that. Kirk, you've been a part of that. What what's your insights? Anything? Just show up, get up. It's early. We all sit there groggy. And and it's it's a good thing. Uh changes in those who did not finish in ninety days who persevered. Anybody else, Terry? I think did you can you tell us about that too? In an encouraging way? <laughs> And, and uh, yeah, she NLT, was that what you tried? 
Yeah, which is an easy reading Bible. But I'm telling you, I mean, I was a disbeliever too when I first. But I'm telling you, this uh, I don't have a copy of it here, but uh, the, the the thing is suited for doing this. Okay, and, and again, you may think I don't need that. Well, go ahead, go for it. But I haven't yet met anyone, and there was more than just Terry that tried to do this without the tools, and I've yet to meet one that finished. So I'm just you know a word to the wise. Changes in those who did not finish but are trying again. So there you have examples of people doing that. Well, let's make the commitment. Let's read for a change. Are you ready? Are you excited? So those of you that want to meet with Tim or with uh, Bill and I, uh, you can sign up for that if you need the New Testament. Does anybody have any questions or observations? And if you have, I, I will have next week, I'll have other reading plans out. So if you want other reading plans, have a